You're listening to the Pool Boy Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Pool Boy Podcast. Steve here, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to the guest we have on today's show. He's been one of the breakout stars of the British team for 2022, culminating in three silver medals in Birmingham, but he also set a British record over 100 freestyle at the World Championships earlier this year. It is, of course, Lewis Burris, so let's have a little listen to what he had to say. All right, welcome to the podcast. Someone I'm very excited to speak yeah. to, in fact, Lewis Burris. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm a little bit nervous, but something about vulnerability and vulnerability within the next hour or so kind of excites me here. <laughs> well, we'll I promise not to ask too many hard yeah. questions, but we'll see. We'll see how we get on. I mean, let's let's start. You've just come off Commonwealth Games, obviously three yeah. silver medals there. You had your debut at World Championships from some really fast times at both those meets. You know, 2022 has got to be right up there with your, you know, what you expected coming into it. Um, I don't know if I ever expected my my 2022 season to look like this. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very glad that now that I'm at the end of the season, I can look back and take a moment just to smile and really reflect on how far I've come and also where I have to go. So um, yeah, <laughs> it's been wild, it's been wild. I mean, you. I mean, you finished 2021 swimming very fast. I mean, you sw- you swam, I think, a 50 best time and a, and a very fast hundred in you know Winchester just before Christmas. So you must have had some some inkling that you were, your form was coming back and that you were you, you know you had the chance to do something well in 2022. Yeah, I mean, my season started on October 5th, and every day since then I've committed myself to you know my craft in the pool. You know, and. I think four weeks after I came back, I did a short course regionals meet, 47.9, 21.9. It was nice to see those times up on the board again, even though it was short course. Um, you know, and fast forward to that December meet at my home pool with really the pressure off. I was able to do a little bit of a taper and I think drop some pretty good times considering. I think they were excellent time yeah. to have to say, yeah. So uh, that was that was the first time I raced the hundred freestyle in two and a half years. My PB going into it was forty eight five, and I was forty eight six. So I was quite excited by that, to be honest. Yeah, and rightly so, rightly so. I mean, let's let's rewind a little bit, if if we may. I mean, we'll come back to Birmingham and Budapest in a minute, but um, you know, you're relatively new or, or to, to a lot of people probably relative newcomer to, to the scene yeah. uh, but you've been around a little while I mean how how do we get here I mean you were obviously the no not completely out of nowhere because you were the 2018 British champion over 100 free you know yeah. um, when you were when you were swimming with um, Ash Morrison at Hamilton is that right yeah yeah nine years with him so so you'd come out of Dubai and you know you won that race there and then and then I'm from right thinking you went off to to the US at that point to, yeah. to try out the collegiate system. How did that come about? So really from about, I'd say after Champs 2018, it's been four years of a lot of ups and downs and somewhat of a whirlwind ride. Um, at that point in time, I had committed myself to the University of Virginia. I swam at the European Junior Championships. And I came away with two medals there and made the decision to fly straight out to Virginia 
do summer school and try to integrate with the team. Um, and then from there, I lasted six months and I came home again. And really, that's just been, it's been very stop and start for me the last four years, dealing with um, mental health, physical health issues, sometimes the combination of both. But through each setback, I managed to get back up and then push on. I mean, you, yes, you say you spent six months in the US. I mean, that uh, kind of culminated, or maybe not quite the end, but, you know, that was your PB kind of period. You mentioned your PB prior to, no, to this year. It was the 48.58 you'd swum at the US Nationals in, in 2019. So something must have been working for you in, in, in a pool, at least. I think you'd moved to South Carolina. Is that right at that point? Yeah. So after the six-month stint at Virginia, I made the decision to leave come home and reassess my swimming and college options. Um, luckily, I found South Carolina, or they found me. I really hadn't swum for about five months. So from January to June of 2019, I didn't do any training. Um, went to South Carolina, was told, you know, this, this summer we're just going to get you back in the water. Let's not set any expectations, but then eight weeks of training in they decided to take me to the u.s nationals and from the outside lane went 48-5 to win the b final and 22-1 to win the 53 b final and um yeah that that felt good <laughs> so that 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 time out of the water i mean you you've mentioned you've had um mental um uh barriers and physical barriers yeah. to, to your swimming i mean was that the first manifestation of those or yeah I think a lot of things, a lot of things and kind of bubbled up to the surface, which I may have kept, um, you know, within me, but I grew up in Dubai for pretty much 18 years, very lucky, very privileged to have had that experience, that education, that safety net, but Dubai is a bubble and leaving that for the first time to go across the world to a new state, a new school, a new swim team. I don't think I, I think I underestimated how much of a challenge it would actually be and how much growing up I had to do in order to make it not only as a swimmer, but an athlete, um, not only as a swimmer, but as a student out there. And, you know, to be completely honest, the reason why I'm not at Virginia or South Carolina anymore was because of me. Um, everything comes down to, you know, what I was doing, uh, whether that would be, you know, not really showing up to the class, not committing to the team workouts as much as I could, it, or I have to take full accountability of it. So, so after that, that period, I mean, 2019, 2020, did you go back to South Carolina? Yeah, I stayed on there for uh, just over a year and then... I think I left South Carolina April 2021. So pretty much as the British Olympic trials were going on, that was when I was packing up my things and deciding where next to kind of take my life, let alone swimming. Yeah. I mean, I guess that period had been a bit unusual with COVID lockdowns and, and other stuff going on. I mean, had you been able to swim through that period at all or, or were things completely closed down or, or how was it? Yeah, pretty closed down. When I got I got a phone call from Tim Jones before I think it was March 2020, saying that the trials is going to be postponed for a year. Mm -hmm. 
nothing you can do. I took and took eight months out of the water. Um, didn't touch the water, just went back to school in that August. Um, training was pretty stop and start there just because of COVID and all of that. And then really, uh, yeah, then took even more time out of the water and found myself with Zoe um, a couple months after the Olympic trials. So the so the period that you said you took more time out of the water, you know, mm-hmm. um, are you are you someone that you need something to aim at? I mean, you know, Tim told you that the the trials have been delayed by a year. Was that kind of a, a push? Uh, no, not a push to stop swimming, but a, you know, a, a nudge. That actually, I'm going to focus on something else for a while because I haven't got that you know, at the end to aim for. Yeah, you know, I could I could say that I was going to study on my academics, but in all honesty, I wasn't a great student. Um, I really wasn't. I just I think that period of time I was lost having trained for so many years towards qualifying for the Olympics to then have it be put off for another year. Mentally, I just, I don't, I think I needed to reset and almost decompress for that amount of time and try and get back into it the following year. So having, having, you know, come through that period, Mm-hmm. Come on the other side, as, as you know, the world starts to return to normal, yeah. you know, as much as it has done over the last you know year or so. You know, Olympic trials had gone. Had you had you given up all kind of hope of going to Tokyo and were just looking further ahead, or did you still harbour ambitions? I think I harboured ambitions for maybe qualifying in the fifty freestyle, but deep down, I knew uh, the work hadn't been put in, and to go a twenty one seven nine, I think off of that little training, it, it wasn't realistic. And I'm glad I didn't attempt to try and qualify. And I'm very glad that I took my time getting back into the sport. So through that, through that summer, um, were, were you, you no, know, you were still thinking, right, I'm, I'm going to get back into this. And you were just looking for, looking for the right home. Yeah. Um, so I, arrived at my dad's place when he was living in Jersey and I was just calling around to a few different coaches trying to see, you know, who could, who could I work with, who could mentor me and take me on this path? Because at that point I needed a mentor. I needed someone more than just a coach because it was clear that I was struggling in and out of the pool and I needed someone to guide me. Um, had a phone call of Ian Hume. We kind of spoke about goals and stuff and he said, you know, I love what you're telling me, but I don't think I can give you what you want. Have you heard of a lady called Zoe Baker? I said, I haven't. Um, where does she, you know, where is she training in? Winchester. Again, I never heard of the place. Googled it, looked quite pretty. Um, that next day, I had a Zoom call like this with Zoe. We chatted for three hours. I think at that night, I texted her saying, my suitcase is packed. When can I come <laughs> join you? And uh, a week later, I was there. All right, so it was uh, it was a meeting of minds. I mean, it- yeah, we just kind of got put in touch by Ian. Uh, you know, his selflessness to pass me on to someone he trusted, um, and it just turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made. But at the time, probably the biggest leap of faith I ever made. And when you and when you went to join Zoe, I mean, were you physically fit, as it were? I mean, you mentioned you had some some physical uh, issues to overcome uh, how, no, how were you when you started there I was still kind of recovering from a hernia operation mm-hmm. I was a little slow I hadn't had much training in me at all so it was just baby steps at that point mentally 
dropping out of my second university, that was still catching up with me. Just the feeling of failure was was making it difficult to feel like I was achieving anything really in my my day to day. I mean, this 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 period, you know, you you made a comment after one of your races in Budapest about you know a year ago success would have been getting up and, and having a shower. You know, that's the, that's this period we're talking about. This was the period, yeah. Over the summer, um, with the Olympics on, seeing people that I saw on junior teams with achieving their goals, it, it did make it difficult. And yeah, those successes a year ago look completely different to what success is today. And, you know, I've done a lot of work with sports psychologist Hannah, who works with Team England and she talked about how we all have a certain amount of spoons in our day-to-day and sometimes some things take more spoons. You have to give away more spoons to do certain things. And today I can hand out a lot of spoons quite easily, like it's getting out of bed, showering, turning up to practice. But a year ago today, not so much. And was that a, a big part of your conversation with Zoe, you know, saying that, you know, I've, I've got these issues that we need to address or, or, you know, had you even recognized them yourself at that point? Yeah. Um, accountability and self-awareness was starting to make, um, you know, a pretty big impact in my life. Uh, for the first time, really, I was just able to understand myself and take that time. For example, I lived in a studio flat for eight weeks over the summer, pretty much by myself. If I wasn't going to training, I wouldn't speak to anyone for a couple of days. I wouldn't see anyone. Um, and just having that much solitude really allowed me to, to be brutally honest with myself. It was time that I stopped deflecting everything and started to reflect on where exactly I was in life. How did I get here? And how do I get myself on a different path? Because the path I was going down was one which wasn't going to benefit me much. So you started that that period, you know, with Zoe, and and where we taught you, you got some results quite quickly. You know, mm-hmm. which must have have given you confidence that you'd made the right decision. Yeah, she didn't expect it. I think after about three weeks of training from October, I said, "I'm going to go 48 in December," and she told me she went, "Okay." <laughs> If you think you can do it, then go do it. And yeah, that that December meet, going going to 21-7, that's when I knew that I'd made the right decision. I was swimming under the right coach and the path that I was on, uh, it was working for me. What is it, what is it you're doing with Zoe that's that's clicked? I mean, it's obviously, you know, she's obviously attuned to you. Yeah, mentally, but she's evidently doing the right stuff for you physically as well. I mean, I mean, what kind of work are you doing with her? Um, It's intense. It's either we're going hard and fast or we're going slow and purposeful. And what I like about Zoe is she's the first coach I've ever had that has achieved a lot of success as a swimmer. To break a world record, that becomes a part of who you are and a part of your DNA. And she's able to give me that athlete perspective not only what it was like for her during some sets that I'm doing because she's already done them or, you know, how is it in the arena? How is it in a Commonwealth Games village? What do I need to be aware of so it doesn't trip me up? And just her personal skills 
her care for me in and outside of the water. Um, that whole kind of combination of things has made it a really successful year for us. On a, we talked about your your performances at trials on a, on a previous episode of the podcast, and, and Bob, um, he made the comment that he thought Zoe was a was a bit of a maverick. I mean, would you would you say that was a, a fair description? I think we're both mavericks, yeah. Um, outside the box, we may not fit the jigsaw piece, but we get results. And trials was something which I was manifesting for months on end multiple times a day my form of escape at that point was visualizing my 100 free at champs everything from waking up in the hotel that morning to going to bed at night for months on end i had it all planned out and i was pretty pretty close to the visualizations on that day had you had you set yourself a goal time? I mean, I've spoken to, to lots of swimmers, and they, you know, you go yeah. to bed with a time stuck above your bed, or you write yeah. it down, and in your, you know, you stretch targets and all those kind of things. Had yeah. you had you visualized that far to a, to a time you wanted to achieve? I just wanted to win. I just wanted. To, I was just visualizing getting my hand on the wall first, the reaction and the interview after. Um, for me, yeah, I knew. If I process things right, then the time was going to be pretty quick. And yeah, to be one one hundred off the former British records, um, yeah, I was very happy. So you know, you say you wanted to win. You, you hadn't thought, oh, I I'm, I want to go forty seven here. I knew it was probably going to take a forty seven, um, but I didn't want to get bogged down on the time because the time's the last thing you're going to see in the race, and there's a whole lot of swimming to be done before you see the time. And um, people will remember your your post race interview with John Mason. You yeah, know, uh, you know there was a lot coming out of there. You, you say you'd probably thought you obviously thought about it in advance. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was clearly weren't you know, it wasn't a spur of the moment thing. But um, you know, was that was that the, the frustration and the and the difficulties you had from the preceding eighteen months? Was that all that coming out in that 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 interview? I got I just got goosebumps. Yeah. It, um... Yeah, it was just a culmination of all the struggles I'd gone through, really, the past four years. 2018 British Champs, not racing British Champs until 2022. And just the fact that I managed to get through that journey and picked myself up and got myself back to being a British champion again, it, it took so much out of me. And obviously, you could tell by you know the emotion and the words that I was I was saying. Was it a weight lifted off you? Hugely, yeah, hugely. Um, I didn't feel like a failure. That was the first time I went to bed in a good few years, not beating myself up, not thinking I was a failure. And I slept really well that night. And I, yeah, I got home. I just, uh, I'm British champion again. I can, I can go to bed now. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a fantastic performance. And of course, you also uh, you won the fifty as well at trials and and. And gave Ben Proud his first domestic defeat in in quite a long time. I mean, that must that must have been a, a big confidence boost as well. Yeah, that that for me was just the icing on a cake. Um, I can only say good things about Ben. Shared an apartment with him in Birmingham the past week or so, and great guy, great competitor. And yeah, to beat him on home soil after I think it was nine years was it was pretty cool. And it you you know it. 
it sounds to me like you're you're a swimmer who needs to believe in themselves you know and zoe has helped you with that uh, no leading into those trials but were you were you just feeling much better about your swimming after those results afterwards yeah i kind of i was able to come away from trials well after trials i went home to dubai for two weeks saw my old coach and then moved out to australia so i didn't get much time to reflect but I saw a direct correlation between the hard work and getting the results. And that's for me was what I've learned the most is it, there are no real, you don't need the bells and whistles. You just need to turn up every day and stay committed to what you, what you said you're going to do long after the mood you set it in is left. And it's like through the consistency, the commitment, the discipline and the accountability, you put all that together on a day-to-day -day basis and, doesn't matter what you do in life. I think you'll go quite far with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, but you didn't hang around, obviously, after trials because Zoe had already taken a, a, job. Taken a job in uh, Western yeah. Australia. Um, how long how long did you have to think about whether you were going to follow her or whether you were going to try something different? I didn't really. Um, logistically, I was like, oh, I'm moving countries again. This may be quite difficult financially, but I knew I was going to follow her out there. Um, you know, it's quite weird to say that in the last year or so, I've moved my life twice for someone. And yeah, I'm, I'm very glad I did it. I'm going to start making Western Australia my home and, you know, still represent Great Britain. So how has, how has the, the change been to, to training in Australia? Obviously, you're outdoors in, in Mandura, is it Mandura? Mandura, yeah. Mandura, yeah, with Peel Aquatic. Um compared to uh, indoors in, in very pretty Winchester. Yeah. But, um, you know, what, how has the change been for you? Um, very relieving, to be honest. Um, Winchester, beautiful city, nice enough people, but we had the opportunity to really create something special here. Unfortunately, the committee didn't share the same vision. And when the, when the, when the vision isn't shared across the club, it's quite hard to make progress. But... In Mandurah, they know what they've got themselves into. They've hired a world record coach. She's brought in a great amount of energy and spirit in the club. And everyone out there is so nice. Um, myself and Kayla van der Merva, we've got put up in a house by two families. We don't pay rent. They cook meals for us. They take us to training. And they just, they are so grateful to be able to be a part of the journey. And you know, if it wasn't for them, the family that I was with, I wouldn't have been able to go to World Champs or to Commonwealth Games. I would have struggled. But uh, nice training with the sun on your back. I mean, it's mainly yeah. sunny, obviously. Yeah. Uh, winter right now, so it's a bit wet and rainy. But when the sun's out, it's one in the afternoon. Uh, the music's going. I, I wouldn't, I'd rather be, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Now, some people would say, well, if, you know, there was only a relatively short turnaround from, from trials to, to, uh, to world championships, you know, and the, 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 the upheaval, if you like, wouldn't have been worth it, but evidently, you know, it did the trick for you to keep going with, with, uh, Zoe. It was hard. It was really, it was really hard, but I told myself, you know, I'm going to be away from Australia for nine weeks, having just moved there for eight weeks. I'm tired. I'm going to be tired doing something that I love. 
not many people get to say that. A lot of people just have to clock in day in, day out, doing something that they don't love, but in order to get a paycheck. I get to do something that I love and at the end of it, see some financial reward as well. So I was just embracing myself for all of it. And I was quite excited to take on the challenge because, for example, next year when Worlds are in Japan, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier than this summer. Yeah, there are advantages to being in that side of the world in the short term, certainly. Um, so coming back to Budapest, you obviously, you know, it's not the easiest journey from from Western Australia. But did you go to did you go to Budapest? You no, know, feeling like you could improve on what you'd done at trials. I wasn't. I didn't really think about my goals in Budapest. I just wanted to experience all of it, and that was the first time I really stepped into the arena, and I'll never forget it. You know, um, three days after landing, swam the heats of the four by one free was 48.6. I went, oh, this this could be a long meet here. I'm not sure um, if I've beaten the jet lag. But the team got around me and said, you're the guy. You're leading off tonight. We believe in you. Came back a few hours later, prepared. And we were in lane, I think we were in lane six. We walked out and they announced the Hungarians after us. And as soon as I heard that roar from the crowd, jet lag wasn't even a thing anymore and just hearing hearing a crowd cheer so loudly for something you're about to be a part of uh i'll never forget it wait i think i think, I think after the race i looked at the guys and I went this is better than christmas <laughs> yeah i can imagine it would have been a, a terrific uh, atmosphere in in that pool but you you moved on from there um and you know obviously went on to to set um, a British record in the semi-final of the individual hundred and at 47.63. What do you remember yeah. about that race? Um, I just racing that. And I remember I got to the 45 meter mark and cause I was going to be breathing to the stands on my way back, not seeing anyone. And I just said, you're on your own now. And just got my head down, stayed big and open. And I touched the wall. I saw the 47.6 and let out a bit of a celebration. And I looked up and I saw 47-1 and I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not many will remember my 7-6 now. <laughs> no, but I mean it's a you know, it's a British record. So uh, you know, your first your first British record. So Yeah, first ever. So uh still a fantastic achievement. And you know, and you said you didn't really think about your goals for Budapest, but you must be happy having come out with seventh in, in a world final in the quality yeah. of, of the final that it was. Two, two seventh places in the individual finals, two fourth places. I learned, I'm going to learn and keep learning so much from that meet. Um, you know, just the the experience of the 100 free final, eight guys in a call room and money can't buy your way into that call room. You have to earn that experience. And that experience is something that only me and those seven other guys have shared. Now, I did some slower in the final, went in fourth, came out seventh, but I'm honestly glad it happened. And there's a lot that I can take away from that moving forward. I think everyone swam slower in that final pretty much, didn't they? Yeah, everyone was yeah. looking at David Popovich. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think and it was a lot of tenseness. That's an, It's interesting because it's more about just racing to race in those finals. It's not about the time. It's just can you get your hand on the wall first? And I remember coming off the turn 
next to the French lad and because my turns and underwaters aren't very good at all, I lost a lot of ground and subconsciously I tightened up and then the time was knocked down because of that. So it's moving forward is how do I stay comfortable under such a high amount of pressure? Yeah, well, I'm guessing I'm guessing that getting those experiences is a great way of actually, you know, learning how to do that. You can't, yeah, you can't pay for them. Mm. You can't simulate them in training. You can try, but you're only going to get it once a year, twice a year. Or in your case, again, in three weeks' time. Yeah, again, in the Commonwealth. <laughs> so so how, how hard was it to bounce on from, from that meet in Budapest into, into a, you know, I'd say, say three weeks, I think a month later, to go to, to Commonwealth Games? Uh, yeah, very difficult. You know, I think a lot of people managed to go home, go back to their comforts, be with their, be with their coach, their team, their support network, and reset mentally before they then pushed on. I went straight to Sterling. I was in a hotel room there by myself for two weeks. Most nights, well, most days just eating alone, going into training without my coach. And then I moved down to Loughborough on the 10th of July, similar setup. I must say though, the Sterling group were fantastic. Um, Tiggy is an awesome coach, great human being. And same with Ian and his group. But yeah, I didn't have Zoe. I didn't have my original support network. So for me, I found it hard to I found it hard to reset, hit the reset button and push on. I was just trying to get through instead. So Birmingham though, three three silver medals, two from the relays, one from the, the 53. So, you know, it, it had a few ups and downs through the through the six days of competition, but um, yeah. it seemed like you went okay. I'm glad I ended the meet on the way I did. Um, you know, leading off in a 48-2 one night, 48-3 the next night, was very happy to come away with two silvers to the Australians. They were the favourites. Um, and just come that 100 free day, mentally I had reached my limit. And there was nothing left in the tank. And I knew before the race I wasn't going to make it back for the final. Um, swam it. Got straight, climbed up over the top pads, went to the swim down pool and called Zoe, who came up that day to race. And I said, that wasn't the swim I wanted. I, I had nothing left to give, but I promise you I'll be ready for the 50. And, you know, um, the next morning I had a chat with a psychologist and we managed to turn my perspective around on things. Again, realizing how far I've come and this was me reaching my limit after nearly a year of you know putting in the work it was actually quite impressive and also just acknowledging the fact that yes i am tired but so what everyone else is tired and the racing will still go on and you know how do i want to remember this meet and the, the night of the 53 was probably the best experience i've ever had do you think yeah but you'd only had that one block of of maybe not even a full winter, you know, from October onwards. Do you think that was a factor in, you know, in that hitting that wall, if you like? Yeah. Mentally, physically, starting my season in October after having no base behind me, um, caught up to me eventually. But, you know, it caught up to me on day three, day four of my last meet of the summer. So 
I know next year what what to expect and how to overcome it. Yeah. So so you did bounce back for the fifty. Obviously, you know, picked up that silver medal uh, that last night. The, the atmosphere in in that pool was ridiculous. I mean, you say it's the best night you had. You know, it must have been incredible coming out into that. They were. The crowd was absolutely bouncing. Um, I think before. Um, I think there was a good few results before the 50. I knew that this is the last home games I'll ever swim in. This is the last time that 6,000 English men and women and children are going to be cheering on for us. So make the most of it. And I think I did. I remember hyping up the crowd a little bit before. And as, as it like, as it settled down, this little girl in the stands, I think she shouted out, just go England. And instinctively I just pointed at her got on the blocks, raced Ben and uh, yeah, 21-6. It was a nice way to end. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, in our, in our review podcast, Katie, she mentioned she likes the way you swim your 50s, that you, you finish them really strong. You know, it's almost like you're back ending the 50. Is that a conscious thing or is it, you know, uh, something you've got to work on at your starts or, you know, what what's the, what's the deal there? My uh, zero to 15 metres, I'm really not that good. Um under my underwater, I don't actually have the mechanics for underwater fly kicks. We were in Loughborough, and it was the first time I've ever used a filming system. And so we did some starts, some turns in underwaters, and we were watching it back and we were laughing to ourselves because we we're like, it looks this bad, but I managed to go these times. Um, like my fly kicks, for example, if you see it on the race, they are the legs are almost apart like that, so they're not even together. Um, I was turning and my hands went in streamline um, and there's just things we picked up. But yeah. I knew, I knew my 15 wasn't going to be great, but it had to be on the better side of how they usually are. I managed to make it, I think I was 5.54, which is my best ever. Someone like Ben is 5.1 consistently. So it's all about next season is how do I, how do I bring my average time down and consistently, let's say, hold five threes? Because if I can do that, then I won't have to back end the 50 as much as I do. But come on, finishing strongly is never a bad thing to do, but it's great that you've got, you know, you've got that upside to, yeah. to work on. I, I think I think my raw speed on the water is one of the best in the world. I don't actually know how. I just kind of do it and I touch the board and surprise myself. But yeah. It's nice knowing that my ceiling for improvement is not only so high, but it solely comes down to if I want to do it. And I'm very excited to go and do it. And uh, and you've given some great interviews after your races this year. I mean, we've mentioned a couple of them already, but, you know, speaking to, the, to Sharon afterwards and you said, you know, standing on the podium with Ben, my inner 12-year-old is doing cartwheels or something, something yeah. of that order. You know, that must have been yeah. great to... Yeah, again, goosebumps. Um, no, 12 years old. I hadn't got national time yet. I went to bed every night. I just prayed. For some reason, I just said, please let me get a national time. I got it. And ever since then, you know, it's it's when I learned to dream and that dreams do come true. And looking to the left was Ben looking out, 6,000 English people standing up and that those two flags for the first time that, that meet, they were raised together. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, when they the best bit was when they said 
if you can stand for the anthem, please rise. And just the noise of everyone standing up was, you forget how to breathe almost. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you were rooming with Ben, you said, um, you know, has seeing what he's doing, you know, just in training and warm-ups, whatever else, has that been, you know, a positive experience for you? You know, he's the world champion, and let's be honest, he's yeah. he's pretty good. Extremely positive. Um, he treats his body like a car chassis. He takes so much care in it, and everything he does is so purposeful. And you can see that he's really worked hard on just being in the moment and... I think the more that you're in the moment in the day to day, the more success you're going to gain from that. And yeah, it seems to be working for him. And I've picked up some things from him along the way, which I hope to incorporate next season. Well, that seems a good a good time to ask uh, what your what your next plans are. I mean, you've opted out of, of Europeans, you know, yeah. which given everything you've said and your your curtailed training seems like a a positive choice. Yeah. On paper, sounds really nice to do a Worlds, a Commonwealth and a European in one season, but the goal is Paris and beyond. I want to be wary of burnout. It's happened before. It doesn't mean it can't happen again. And just being strategic because I still have the fire in me to race, but it's good to just let it breathe for a minute. And then, um, yeah, I'll be flying to Australia tomorrow. And tomorrow will be my last day on social media plan to stay off of it until the world champs are concluded next year. And I hope to win some medals there. And is that, is that a, no, you coming off socials, is that a kind of a protective measure for your, for your mental health or is that a, you know. It's a a bit of both. Um, I think social media has its pros and cons, but it's addicting. It kind of gives you that instant gratification with every new follower, like comment, anything you get that little hit of dopamine and it's a pretty good tool for comparison comparing your life to others and it's not what i need in my season to get the best out of myself you know i have a responsibility to not only swim fast for the people that have helped me on the journey but also my teammates i'm on a relay now i have to lead off that relay and if there are things that i can do which are going to help me not only get better in the pool, but as a person, then I think I should, it'd be rude not to do them. But, uh, but in the water, you know, uh, you're back to Australia, you're, you're going to get sort of decent blocks of training in, you know, when will we next see you racing? If, if the opportunity arises, would you go to world short course in, uh, in the end of the year, just down the road in Melbourne? I would love to. Yeah. I think that would be a great meet to really showcase my improvements in the start, the turn, the underwater. And what a great motivational tool to really give myself a kick up the backside and work on it because you can't be turning up to a meet like that and not being, not be clinical when it matters and when, when it comes down to the skills. So, uh, so we may see you then. And then obviously next it will be trials next year for, for the world champs in, in Fukuoka. So you'll, you'll, you'll come all the way across the world for trials, hopefully get selected, go all the way back to Australia, you know, be yeah. ready for the team to come and join you. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy. Yeah. I just pack a suitcase, sit on the plane for a day and then I'm there. Um, but now I'm really looking forward to next season. This year has taught me so much, but nothing is guaranteed tomorrow, let alone for the next season. And everything has to be re-earned. 
So everyone is back to zero now. And it doesn't matter if you won a world championship medal or if you were eighth in the 103 final at British Champs. Everyone's at the same starting point again, and it's just who wants it more and who's going to work the most for it. Are you already visualising next year's performances or is that a, is that a session that you've got to have with Zoe to set your goals or? or no? Now the, the visualization's begun. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there's another event that I'm visualizing, maybe a hundred fly 50 fly. Um, but no, we'll see. All I can do is just take it day by day, turn up to the pool, commit to the journey and yeah, that seemed to work before. I think it can work again. Well, it certainly has worked for you uh, in 2022. So I think I think that's a good time to to uh, say, Lewis, thank you ever so much for sharing yeah. your sharing your story. Congratulations on some fantastic results, and we look very much forward to seeing what you can do next year. Brilliant, Steve. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Lewis for taking the time to share his story with us, and we'll uh, obviously look forward to seeing where he goes from here and how he performs next year. We'll be back on the podcast after the European Championships to have a look at what happens in Rome. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in contact, you can find me on Twitter at Poolboy or at Poolboy UK on uh, Instagram and Facebook. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please do leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, but until we're back with you, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Poolboy Podcast. For more episodes, visit www.pullboy.co.uk slash podcast.